This morning, we are uh, blessed to have each of you in the Lord's house today. We all want to see God work in our community. We're emphasizing our neighborhoods and reaching out to them. And we want to see the people in our neighborhoods have an experience with Jesus Christ. But if we're going to be effective in reaching out to our neighborhoods, then we must individually have experiences with Jesus as well. We must have had an encounter with Jesus that changes our life, that causes us to have a life and a testimony that touches other people. I'm gonna to look today at Isaiah chapter six, verses one through eight. Isaiah six, verses one through eight. In this passage, the prophet Isaiah has an encounter with the Lord. He has an encounter with the Lord. We all know, need to know that God still sits upon the throne. Even on a Super Bowl Sunday, when the saints, which are supposed to be in the Super Bowl, aren't there. But we were encouraged by Drew Brees, who talked this past week, you know, don't give up. Good things can even happen from this. God is still on his throne, despite uh, disappointment. I have never been as disappointed after a ball game, even when Alabama was crushed by Clemson, it didn't hurt as badly as New Orleans getting cheated out of the Super Bowl. But I'm not bitter. <laughs> God is still on his throne. Let me read Isaiah chapter six, verses one through eight. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Isaiah had this experience with the Lord in the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah was one of the longest serving kings of Judah. He served for over 50 years 
And for the most part, he was a very good king. And tradition says that uh, he may have been a cousin or an uncle of the prophet Isaiah. Uh, We believe there was a close connection to them. But But Uzziah died. And Uzziah died in a sad way. Despite the fact that he had been a great king and he had led to Israel, uh, Judah, prospering in many ways, in his last years, he became somewhat full of himself, proud of all his accomplishments, and went into the temple, went into the holy place, and offered uh, an offering of incense there, something that was only allowed to be done by priest. So he violated God's commandment, God's law, God's ordinances by going in and doing that. Priest even tried to stop him before he did it, but he was so sure of himself, he went on in and violated that part of the temple. As a result of that, he immediately came down with leprosy and died a leper, died separated from the kingdom in that. This must have been a blow to Isaiah. Uh, This must have been very painful to him to see somebody that was close. Uh, Isaiah had had been uh, in his ministry of prophecy, maybe 10 or 15 years when Uzziah died. Uh, And if he was a kinsman, uh, this would have hurt him even more. And certainly as the king of, of Judah, Uh, This would have been painful for all of them and uh, wondering. And Isaiah and many others needed to be reassured that God is still on his throne. And certainly God gave Isaiah that vision. We see that. He starts it off very simply. In the year King Uzziah died. Maybe in the year I needed help, in the near year I needed encouragement, in the year that that our nation needed to be reassured. And he says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. There in the temple, he had a, a vision of God sitting on the throne, which is not unusual in Scripture to see God on a throne. In Revelation 4, John writes of seeing God on a throne, a majestic throne with lightning bolts issuing forth from the throne. The throne is a place of majesty, a place where kings sit and Isaiah was reassured. The king is still on his throne. God is still there. And oftentimes we need to hear that as well said he was lofty and exalted, not just a little throne, but he was, who was high, he was glorified, he was, was in a royal place. We need to recognize that our God is a mighty God and he sits in a high and lofty place and we have the obligation and the privilege to be in awe of who God is. And when we have that encounter with him, our lives are changed. And I know that Isaiah was never the same after this encounter with God. He was high and exalted, and it says the train of his robe 
filled the temple. The train, that, that thing that we normally think of when we think of wedding dresses, the train of the wedding dress, uh, just filling the temple. Uh, trains of wedding dresses are, are interesting. I learned something. There are different kinds of trains. There is the chapel train. A chapel train is between 12 and 18 inches long and is the most common choice for brides. Then there's the cathedral train. At 22 or more inches long, cathedral trains are totally formal and great for a black tie wedding, like Sheila and I had. I did have on a black tie, didn't I? There. They look beautiful in ball line gowns and A-line dresses. Uh, then there's the royal or monarch train. That's the longest of the trains. That extends uh, at least three feet on the floor and often longer. Kate Middleton, when she married Prince William, her train was nine feet long. Uh, when uh, Meghan Markle married Prince Harry, she didn't have a very long train, but she had a, a long veil that trailed uh, over 16 feet behind her. And some of us are old enough to remember Princess Diana's wedding. Her train was over 25 feet long. Very impressive train with all those attendants to hold it and turn it and take care of it. But the train of God's robe filled the temple. Can you just imagine that? The train was so long and so magnificent that it wound throughout the temple. That is a picture of God's majesty, of His glory, of His loftiness, of His uh, total otherness. He, his train was amazing as it filled the temple. And then God's appearance was accompanied by seraphim. Seraphim who stood above him, and they were pretty amazing angels. This is probably fiery angels that he's talking about here. And they had six wings each. Uh, with two of the wings, they covered their face because of the majesty of God and because of his holiness and being set apart. They didn't feel worthy even to look upon God, so they covered their face. With two other wings, they covered their feet. The feet were seen, seen as a very humble part of the body, and they didn't want uh, to, the common parts to be visible to God, so they covered their feet. And then with the two remaining wings, they flew around the throne of God. Such an amazing sight that Isaiah had, just to be able to, to see that. And then he heard the seraphim calling out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And it says the thresholds, the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice who, of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Smoke, rumbling, that massive stone structure trembling at the sound that was there. 
I don't know if you have seen some of the videos when a, a child receives a cochlear implant, a child who has been deaf from birth and gets the operation to have that cochlear implant implanted and then when it's time to turn it on and you see the parents there and it's usually the mother that you hear saying hello and she calls out the name. And several of them that I've seen, that child smiled probably like it had never smiled before. Used to the beautiful face of its mother, suddenly was able to hear a sound that went along with that face, a, a sound that went along with the loving embraces that that mother got in the most satisfying smile. And then the mother in tears because of the joy of that child. Just imagine Isaiah hearing these words, holy, holy, holy. Seeing God high and lifted up. I remember one of those YouTube videos where a little child was getting its first set of glasses. It was profoundly, uh, had its eyesight was profoundly affected and was not able to see much at all. And then they fitted it with its first glasses. And at first, the child fought to keep those glasses off, but then suddenly the child was able to see through its glasses and see the face again of mother. He had heard the sound, but now he could see clearly in that great smile that came across him. Isaiah probably didn't smile. He was so impacted by the sight of God and the sound of these seraphim calling out, holy, 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 and the whole earth being full of his glory. Isaiah was truly impacted by all that, that went on. And Isaiah was impacted by that in so much way. But he was assured that God was on his throne. We often need to be assured that God is on his throne. Do you need to catch a vision of God's ability to take away your discouragement with his encouraging touch? Do you need to be able to see his power which can bring about that in your life which you thought impossible? Do you need to see him as a constant companion in a lonely world? Do you need to view God's ability to bring about healing to a body racked by pain? Do you need to catch a vision of God's power to bring you out of the pit of emotional, an emotional nightmare that you thought would never end? Do you need to see a God that can, that can commission you to a work that will give the satisfaction of knowing that you are doing what He wants you to do? Do you need to recognize God on the throne as the one who can cleanse the spots of sin that you thought would forever mar your life? Do you need to see him as a source of an eternal and abundant life which you thought could never be yours? Our God is on his throne. And our God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, is able to give all these things to us. There is no limit to His power. There is no limit to His glory. Our God is truly an awesome 
God. Isaiah was moved by this. Isaiah was touched by this vision, by the smoke, by the vision, by the words that he heard. And his first response in verse 5, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Sometimes when Jesus was at a place, even among his disciples, and they recognized his glory and his power and his ability to move even nature, even one of his disciples said, depart from me, Lord, I am unworthy. That was Isaiah's response. How can I exist in the presence of an awesome and holy God? We can't in our own power, but because of Jesus Christ who gives us new life, we can experience the presence of God in our lives. Isaiah said, woe is me, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. He recognized his frailties. He recognized that he did not measure up to God's standard. Just like when you're in the bright lights, you can see spots on clothing that you couldn't see otherwise. You could see where you men, where you forgot to shave, <clears throat> or you could uh, uh, just see those kind of defects. Like when you're looking on TV and a, a high def, large screen TV, you can see things sometimes you don't even want to see. You can see too well some of those things. That's the way it is when we are in God's presence. He shows us things. He shows us our issues. He shows us our sins. And sometimes we feel unworthy. Like Isaiah, who, who felt totally unworthy to be there in the midst, that he was ruined and he lived in a, uh, among a people that was ruined because they did not measure up to God's holy life. Verse 6 Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and, and said, Behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. God is a forgiving God. God is able to wipe away our sins. He is able to take them and cast them into the sea as far as the east is from the West, God removes our sins. God, if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all iniquity. Isaiah had been cognizant, recognizing all of his problems. And the seraphim flew and with that white hot coal touched it to his lips. We don't read of any pain here. Uh, we don't read of that. We just know that there was forgiveness. There was peace. There was comfort that came through that forgiveness. God doesn't use hot coals to cleanse us. He 
does that with the blood of Jesus Christ. When we accept Him as our Savior and, and ask Him to come into our life, He cleanses us. He washes away those sins. He removes every spot, every mar that is in our lives. God is a God who wants His people to be restored. He wants His people to be, be the kind of people that can serve Him. Isaiah was forgiven. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, we are forgiven. So often we think, I, I can't be forgiven. I've done too much bad. Isaiah thought in the middle of that place and that mighty vision, there's no way I can be forgiven of my sins. Looking at this mighty, holy, exalted, lifted God on the throne and hearing these sounds, I can never measure up. But with God's forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven. And we don't have to worry that our sins will not be forgiven. Today, do you need your sins forgiven? Jesus is the answer. And then as, as we conclude this passage, verse 8, after he, verse 7 says, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Isaiah is forgiven. And then Isaiah hears God. And the Lord says, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Question by God. Who will go out and represent me? Who will go and tell the people what my word says? Who will go and share my message with the people? Isaiah, having seen God. Isaiah, having recognized his sin and having been forgiven, stands before God, hearing that commission and says, here am I, send me. Isaiah earlier would not have felt worthy of that task. He was too sinful, but he had received assurance of, of forgiveness. He had received assurance that all of his sins were forgiven. And then he's able to hear the voice of God saying, who shall I send? Who will go for me? And Isaiah's natural response is, here am I, send me. Isaiah knew he could not do this in his own strength. As we know, we cannot represent God among our friends, our family members, our neighbors, our classmates, uh, the person we meet on the street. We cannot do it in our own strength. But with God's presence, we can know that He is here. We serve in a challenging neighborhood, but there are people here that need to experience God. Just yesterday, we went out and we met one family where one spouse, we invited them to church, and the spouse we talked to said, well, I'm a Jew, and my husband is Muslim. Kind of a challenge in doing that. But that's not too big a challenge for God. Pray for that family, that God would draw him unto himself. 
and that God would use us as we reach out into our neighborhood, cleansed and commissioned people to impact our community for Jesus Christ. Would you say, here am I, send me. I am willing, Lord, through your power, I'll be a witness. Have you had an encounter with God? An encounter that rocked your world, that changed your life, that moved you to a new level of living. If not, God wants you to have that encounter with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. Would you say, here am I? Here am I, Lord, do with me what you would have me do. Whether that be accept Jesus as Savior, be a witness in our neighborhood, which he wants all of us to be witnesses to those around us. Maybe God's calling someone to full-time Christian service or to missions or to rededication of life. Have you had an encounter with God? And if so, what do you need to do? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a mighty and awesome God and that you desire us to have constant encounters with you, encounters that change us, that make us different, that make us more like you, ones that cause us to recognize our sinfulness, to confess those sins to you, and to receive the forgiveness that you offer to us. Today, Lord, there are decisions that need to be made. I pray that you would give courage, that you would give strength, that you would give the commitment to those who need to make these decisions, whether it be say, to say, I accept you, Jesus, or I will obey you, Jesus. Lord God, speak for your servants here. We pray in Jesus' name.